Welcome back to Bankrupt Overland. We are hanging tonight with the crew. Got Steve and Jeff on on lock, uh, like always. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up, man? Hey, hey. We got Mr. Lee Sumner joining us all the way from Georgia. What's up, That's sir? Right. Yes, sir. Uh, so we're going to have some fun tonight. It's been a couple weeks since we did mm-hmm. an episode. We've all been out doing stuff, um, hanging out. I was on a trip finally, uh, got out and did some stuff. Jeff was on a trip. Lee was on a big trip as well that I'm big excited trip. to hear about. I saw a lot of carnage come out of that trip. So um, I'm going to have some good stuff you all to talk about tonight. I know Lee's got some cool stuff going on. This guy has been across the country a couple times in Land Cruisers. He's owned uh your top varieties of land cruisers <laughs> so for our toyota which is you know a lot of our listeners I, I think you're in for a treat tonight on on hearing his story and and how he contributes to this community that we all enjoy so without further ado uh let's talk about what we've been doing is uh is there steve jeff lee y'all had anything fun the last couple weeks y'all want to jump in on what's up steve i heard you come in yeah i'll uh, i'll start it off i'll have um for me it's just been kind of recovering from my my big trip out west uh if i want to talk about mods um i just recently um i guess this this afternoon i started pulling the front two seats to try to wire in my uh gmrs radio so that's kind of an ongoing project. Um, I did pick up a second refrigerator because I'm trying to be like the uh, Australians. No, <laughs> I got a you need two fridges build. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not in the Lancaster, but I got I got another build um, planned or in the planning stages. I won't I won't New discuss build? too much about it. Yeah, I won't discuss what? too much about it. You're leaving yeah, it like that. You can't <laughs> just keep it on the DL it and pull it out. <laughs> we got <laughs> heard rumors that it's a short bus you're going to build. <laughs> Lee coming in strong with the birds. I love it. <laughs> what are those called? The bluebirds? Yeah, the, the yellow bus? The, the short buses, yeah. yeah. There's a short other school. terms too, but. <laughs> Off the top rope. Yeah, first I know, five right? minutes, my Hey, man. this is our guest. I'm going to roast one of the hosts. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, no, nothing, nothing too crazy for me. Just kind of recovering getting things back you know organized and then uh trying to get that radio installed so that's been on my plate nice nice what, what kind of right, uh, gmrs are you running there it is the midland mtx i want to say 425 Two, so, so all of the controls are on the handheld part 275 275 thank you yep and then i have a 6 db antenna that i'm slapping on the bumper so big balling oh yeah <laughs> i love that thing it's awesome that's a good radio. That's what I'm running yeah. in the Land Cruiser as well. I love it. I, I can hear the, though. Yeah, I can hear the weather station at, in Atlanta from my house. I can pick up the weather station from Atlanta. That's it's cool. like a hundred hundred some change for me. So I can't talk that far, but I can at least hear. Yeah, yeah. Out, out in Colorado last year, we were. Uh, I was running a 400, but most of the guys were running 275s, and mm-hmm. we were uh, we were talking over right around 40 miles away. So, oh wow! Yeah, that That's was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And then I ran Black Bear and had to leave after the steps. And I was still talking to those guys when I was up on Ofer, um, and they were still spotting people through the steps on Black Bear. And wow. some of them were just running handhelds. Uh, but yeah. with that 60B, it was pretty strong. 
Yeah, it pushes quite a bit of power. So it's so easy. It's like a set and forget. I remember like having a CB when I was younger and you had to like adjust the antenna and like Constantly shorten it. it. Yeah. And it was just a disaster. And these are so simple. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to use them for the rally this year because those handhelds, <laughs> the red clay rally, the handhelds were horrible. Batteries were dying, people were dropping them, everything was breaking. Yeah, I need to hear more about this rally. I've uh don't know much about it. Sounds fun though. That would be Oof. in your wheelhouse for sure. <laughs> it's a lot of driving what you're good at, right? Cruising all yep. over. And then there's some technical spots. And I think the the most challenging thing is picking teammates that you want to be on the same level with. So it's a it's a it's a rally. So it's not a it's not a race. You don't want to be the fastest guy. You don't want to be the slowest guy. They set um, GPS points um, and they export them and you can put them into Gaia and you basically have to pace yourself and you have to get to the checkpoints the same in the same amount of time that they did. So you're not trying to haul ass or anything. You're just trying to go along at a the standard pace that this guy um, set in his um, forerunner on like 35. So it's nothing crazy. And he went through it and mapped it all out and we had um, last year, we had six people on our team and we were trying to, we were trying to win. We were trying to, you know, go hard. But when you have that many vehicles, you're, you're going down public roads, you're going in and out of traffic. Someone has to go to the bathroom. Someone's, you know, hungry. Someone gets a, you know, a bent rim or a flat tire or something happens. So it's kind of like a strategy and it was really fun. I'm, I'm definitely going to do it again this year. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird because like sometimes you'll like you'll need to slow down and wait in like ten minutes, and then sometimes because something happens, you're now ten minutes behind, and you're having to like haul ass <laughs> to get to get somewhere a lot faster. And so it's you, you, depends on where you're at in the race, depends on your your speed of it, which, which that that's where all the strategy comes in, and and the folks that win it, you know, they know where they should be at every exact minute on the entire course, almost. Yeah, you don't know where the checkpoints are either. So you're trying to make this time. And if you're if you're trying to make up time because you think you're running slow, and then there's a checkpoint around the corner, once they see you, it's game over. And yep. they, they write down your time. So they go, okay, this is your time. And then they hand you the slip and they record it. And that's it. You're checked in. So if you're running 10 minutes hot and they see you coming around the corner fast and you try and stop, that's, that's you're done. You're checked in. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. Well, heck, there should be at least some type of a trophy for the fastest, though, still. Uh, they they discourage fast driving. <laughs> oh, well, may, this may not be the event for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. it's not like the cannonball. They, they, they try to keep it somewhat, you know, you're on forest roads. There's a lot of times, there's a lot of times you're going down a one lane road and you got to let you know a local get by going the other way things like yeah. that so you do try to keep it safe in those areas and make sure you're not disturbing the peace through it but sometimes you know when you jump on a highway at 55 you got to run 85 you know it's, it's happened before <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you have a bent rim and you gotta pull over on the side of the road and beat it with a hammer and then get rolled again past. <laughs> exactly it's crazy uh, well, I was actually, I'll, I'll segue into this one. I was up in that area, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and we went up and rode the Daniel Boone backcountry byway. 
up oh, in cool. Eastern Kentucky, which was a cool little, it's about a hundred mile uh, loop through Kentucky. It's probably 60% off-road, 40% paved road. And, you know, 15% of that is technical uh, roads. So uh, we had a good time out there, had some good trails, um, got through like a day and a half, uh, the first day we went down, left at like two o'clock on Friday from Nashville, shot up there, and we're going to this campsite that uh, a good uh, friend of ours gave us, and uh, it was this this bluff overlooking um, the uh, you know the, the valley out there. Beautiful, beautiful site. So we're like, hey, let's try to get this. So it gives us GPS. We go to the GPS coordinates, and we are just like on a regular ass road. And we look up and we're like, oh, we got to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> and so found the trail uh, to get up there and started going up it. And quickly, um, where we were going to be getting into camp about 8 30, 9 o'clock, turned into about 11 30 after we had to uh, get up a, a rock shelf that was about, I don't know, up to my waist, I would say, is where the rock shelf wow. was. And, yeah. um, we had to get three vehicles up it. Uh, the Jeep, uh, he just hammered it down and uh, got up it. <laughs> <laughs> Random staring yeah. at Boston. And, and it's raining too. Like it had been raining all day. And yeah, so like it. it's really wet as well, which makes this, you know, going up a rock face even even that much more normal. Yeah. Um, so we get we get he 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 gets up it. We end up winching up the the Nissan, and then I end up having to winch up as well. Mm-hmm. and uh got up through there went over this old bridge had to climb another kind of rock face that we probably would have stopped and like checked out but randall was in front and he just hammered it <laughs> and went over it <laughs> and so uh nick was in front of me and he goes up in his frontier and i see him get some about two foot of wheel lift uh, off of his driver's <laughs> side tire and i was like and he got up and i was like well hell if, if the frontier go. got up and the cruiser better <laughs> yeah. get up it and, uh, <laughs> yep. so we went moving and, you know, I heard the, and I felt a track started kicking in. And then yeah. we just kind of set that front driver tire right back on the ground and, and creeped up it. Um, wow. and then got up there like midnight. So we couldn't really see much, uh, set up a fire, ate some grub, woke up the next morning and, oh my gosh, the clouds were right at the level of the Valley. And oh, so nice. it was just an amazing sunrise and, and view for that morning. Um, Oh, uh, oh, our buddy, a, a big favor for those GPS coordinates and helping yeah. us get up there. Um, then took out the next day and rode some good trails. And then the damn Jeep broke down and we spent What's the rest new? of our trip pretty much in a <laughs> fucking parking lot. Uh, I wonder why the Jeep broke down. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of maintenance is why it broke down. Um, oh, man. It was a, it was a preventable thing. It just didn't, you know, the, the bearings weren't, weren't, um, yeah they weren't greased at all by that time. And they just, they mm-hmm. wore out bearings wore out and then they ended up wearing out the U joints. And so, you know, he, had, we had to stop and replace U joints and bearings on it, which didn't have the right tools, had to go back one time to get something else. So it was just one of those where you ended up working for like four or five hours in a parking lot in the middle of the summer. And yeah, you know, was what it was. We ended up getting one last trail in after that on Sunday, heading home, which was kind of cool to kind of finish off with the trail. But yeah, half the trip was taken up with fixing a Jeep. Um, and then I got home and during the trail, there was one section, uh, there was a rock section in the rally we did where we went down the hill and over the rock mm-hmm. and running yeah. the route 
of the Daniel Boone backcountry byway, you run it counterclockwise. So we went the opposite way up this trail. Mm -hmm. So we're going over this rock up and then out up that trail, which wouldn't be bad if it wasn't completely wet. And so with it being wet, uh, I ended up sliding and and basically high centering on my skids. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, um, it did something. I'm guessing, I don't know what I did, but it ended up pushing my fan blade into my radiator. Oh, and so uh, I immediately cut the cruiser off and was like, what the fuck did I just do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure what it was. We kind of looked at it and I was like, we were able to adjust the radiator a little bit to get it off the fan blade off the radiator. So we knew we could at least kind of get it going. And I was like, okay, yeah. so we're not going to tear it up if I start it up and go. And so we got the winch pulled out, got it all set up and basically got it ready to go to where as soon as I started the truck, we were winching and pulling the cruiser off the weight of the belly. And once we got it off, the the noise stopped and, and it kind of resettled. So I thought we were good. Yeah. And then like the next day I go to start it up and it starts doing it again. And I got to, I, I put a little muscle on the radiator and move some of the mounts to, <laughs> to make that work. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking maybe a, a motor mount might've gotten bent up or, or something's out of place. Yeah. Uh, I bet it's that would fan be. clutch. I bet it's that fan clutch bearing. Cause I had one pull out think so? and it pushed the fan out oh. and i kept i kept uh pulling belts off really yeah well so maybe well huh. the the damn thing wouldn't start this morning and so <laughs> the starter went out on it oh, <laughs> it no. started and it's a one i go in the one click and it just won't start at all and so mm. it got put on a rollback this afternoon heading over to uh uh sheldon to get oh, uh, to get diagnosed. Well, he already said the starter's bad, so that's getting fixed yeah. first. And then once he gets the starter fixed, then he'll diagnose what yeah. I've done to the fan blade. And then, uh, yeah, so um, t- center a little that. too hard, yeah. yeah. Uh, last weekend in the in the old cruiser. <laughs> oh man, brutal. Yeah. Um, Sp- speaking of uh, of repairs, I had a. I had a fun time up time up in G Smitter last week with that. That was uh where was that at? My work. What's that? Where 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 was that event held? Oh, so yeah, G Smitter, um, that's the Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride, GSMTR. And you know, okay. some people want to say GSMTR, but uh it's G Smitter. That's that's what everybody calls it. It's <laughs> that's what the locals call it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's at Winrock Park, right outside of Oliver Springs, Tennessee, which is just a little uh, west of of uh, of Knoxville, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a nice event. This was the thirtieth annual G Smitter, so it's been around a while. Wow, wow. I didn't know wow. thirty years. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they, you know, it's uh, they've moved the event around a few times. This this sure. year it was in June. It was uh, I tell you, I, I went up there. Let's see, got up there Sunday. So the events all week. You uh, mm-hmm. you can start camping Sunday and. You're pretty much there until the next Sunday. A lot of people come in later in the week, but I decided to do the full thing, and it was uh, it was hot as dragon's breath when uh, we got started. <laughs> but, uh, you, you don't you don't seem like much of a half of a cup kind of guy, Lee. I'm just gonna well, say that. Well, you know, I've uh, I'm still trying to Windrock. You know, is a huge park. It's almost eighty thousand acres, and you could ride Damn. trails up there for weeks oh. and not ride the same one. And you know, I I'm I'm trying to get it all figured out and. And spend the most time I can up there, but uh, it's a cool event. They uh, they have guided trail runs, and uh, they have some that are easy. And 
and some that are moderate. Uh, and then a lot of the guys go off on their own. I, I ended up going off with the big boys, I guess you could say. I, I was the only truck uh, with IFS running with built 60s and, and built 80s. Um, but, uh, but had a lot of fun. I think it was Wednesday. Um, we were riding trail number 42, 43A. And everything was going good, some technical spots. But uh, we come up on a hill climb that water was running down and it was clay. And the ruts were, I'd say, at least two foot deep. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was at least three ruts. You know, so some, most of those guys were on 37s and they were having a hard time. You know, you were having to get in it, commit it, uh, wide open throttle and just kind of pinball and hope for the best. And I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never really done a wide open throttle on the 200. That's uh, uh, I can usually just kind of go through. Can, can we talk about your rig real quick? Can we yeah, get a little yeah. rundown before before we get into this? Because I hear you talking about running with only solid axle vehicles and 37s. So what are right. you what are you cruising with these big rigs? In? <laughs> so I've got a 2013 200 series Land Cruiser. Um, not a 570, not a Lexus, but it's an, it's an actual land cruiser. And, sorry, man, I love it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've, I've got it sitting on 35s. I, I run a, uh, okay. like a 35, 1150. Um, I've got lockers front and rear e lockers. I've got full steel skids, uh, steel bumpers, uh, steel sliders, Still a lot of steel. She weighs about eighty one hundred pounds on Ooh, the uh, truck stop girl. scale. So um, <laughs> that's a big girl. Yeah, if you know, uh, <laughs> I, I've wheeled her for about a year and a half now, and uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, a lot of it's about just carrying momentum, say around two thousand RPMs, easing through and low and first, and and just kind of letting her eat. She's got a lot of weight, and if you can keep that moving, she'll. She'll pop up over a lot of obstacles, but she, mm-hmm. she wasn't going up this hill at a <laughs> 2000. <laughs> so I basically had to get a run and start for it and uh, got about halfway up and just, just high centered on rocks on the, on the belly skid, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, tried it three more times and uh, had some awful racket going on. Yeah. Uh, ended up having to winch out, but that's okay. You know, a couple of those 60s had to winch, a couple of 80s had to winch. Uh, it happens. So uh got out of there and uh, actually hit another spot where I had to winch out, but I also had to pull an 80 out behind me with a, uh, you know, with a, uh, with a strap and okay. hit wide open throttle. And, you know, you'd, you'd hit and all four tires would be spinning and the truck sideways. Oh, oh man. man. So, and I was getting a little clicking sometimes from the front CV, but you know, it is. so I got back to camp that night and, uh, start just a couple of little clicky, clicky clicks. Yeah. Start looking her over and I noticed, uh, throwing grease. There was grease being thrown from the, uh, from the driver's side inboard CV. And I was like, well, I don't see where the boots cut, you know, the boots not cut, the boots not torn. What's going on here? Um, so I got to run in my hand around the axle and I couldn't see it because it was hidden up high, but there was about a four inch crack on the inboard tulip on the inboard housing for the, uh, the CVs. And this was oh, an OEM man. axle. So I've actually never really heard of anybody That's blowing crazy. a 
200 series OEM axle, mm-hmm. uh, but I did. And uh, <laughs> the one and only Lee. Yeah, I know when it happened on that first hill climb at wide open throttle, um, but it managed to stay together even through the next wide open throttle, pulling somebody out. So that was oh, nice. wild. Uh, yeah. So, but I knew that I couldn't hit, hit the trail again the next day like yeah. that. It would, I, I kicked around the idea of uh, pulling my front drive shaft mm-hmm. and just two running drive. in two wheel drive with the rear locked. I thought that would be fun, you know, kind of, <laughs> I was actually, looking at that. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm sure I could get sideways like that uh, quick, but uh but called around the next morning at eight o'clock and advanced auto actually got me an axle at 10 30 that morning. Wow. So nice. I drove to town, got the axle, came back and, uh, replaced the axle, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the hundred degree humidity in the, in the campsite, um, while everybody else was out on trail runs. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that should be the end of the story, but it wasn't, um, it took me about i got the it took me about 45 minutes to get the axle out the new axle in but it took me about an hour and a half after that to actually get the the axle to seat into the front diff so i I don't know you know it it was very frustrating but i got it done and i said well i'm gonna go try and meet up with some of these guys uh that said they were going to run 11 and then come back to 51 and uh, I was going to meet up with them about three o'clock. Um, so I went up there, couldn't get them on the radio. So I just ran 51, which is the Panther Rock Trail um, by myself and uh, got out on Panther Rock, got looking. And that uh, that front diff was wet as a beaver. So um, I had to come back into camp. And I realized what had probably happened is I'd nicked the output seal when I was messing around with that front diff. So Went to advanced again that afternoon, that evening, uh, <laughs> and got a new front seal, and then did it all over again. So wow. I had to pull the pull the axle, you know, uh, and uh, replace the seal, put her back in. But since then, it was all good. But yeah, that was uh, that was a first for me, um, especially blowing that that uh, that OEM uh, axle. But yeah. was it the driver's side? It was the driver's side. Yeah. So I, I watched the, the guys in Australia, like the four-wheel drive action guys, and yeah. they have one of the guys is like the spares box or something. Right. They said this they said the 200 driver side or the passenger side over there is weaker than the other side for I don't know what reason. That's interesting. Well yeah. I don't know, I don't know why. I don't either. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know if it has something to do with the torque on the the so, motor, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it, you know, that, that motor is going to move some, uh, yeah. I don't know if it puts more stress on that tulip, but, but the weird thing is it's the end board. So the end board huh. shouldn't have a ton of stress on it because yeah, it's, it's straight axles really only moving up and down to where's the outboard it's moving. It's going all, yeah, all going everywhere. Ways. Yeah. But, uh, another thing about those 24, seven guys, they keep breaking axles because, all they're using is aftermarket axles. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not replacing their axles with OEM axles. So it's like this vicious cycle they're into where they keep using cheap spares box. Right. But, uh, yeah. They're the, they're, they're but, so they sponsor it. Right. But uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring them up because when I used to, I know all of you guys have probably 
never changed an axle on 200 maybe but you've all yeah. probably maybe 180 on 100s uh yeah which is it's still not you know it's not fun uh nobody you know everybody talks about get a go down to AutoZone, get a 60 dollar axle and it's got a lifetime warranty but yeah i mean who wants to pull those things all the time it, it uh yeah it's no thanks but you know the way you do it on a 100 i would always uh, disconnect the upper ball joint um yep. and shock maybe the uh uh sway bar so you could let the lower control arm droop and then you yeah, can, and you can turn it you can turn yeah. it and kind of pull it out and whatnot. yeah it, it's not it's not easy but you can you can get it out you don't have to replace you don't have to take the whole knuckle off um but uh, so that's what I used to do on the 200 and it was, it was a proper bitch. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, the yeah. KDSS on the 200 makes everything difficult. Um, mm. uh, KDS is great. I love it. You know, it's for, for those of y'all that don't know what KDSS is, it's a self-contained like hydraulic uh, anti-sway bar system that uses pressure. It's not, uh, it's not computerized. It's all self-contained. There's no buttons. Uh, you could take it out of the truck. The truck would run, throw no codes. You could put it back in because it's all its own separate system. Um, there's no reservoir. It's all self-contained. Mm-hmm. And at slower speeds, when there's not, it's not building pressure, it's basically an automatic sway bar disconnect. Um, and at higher speeds, it builds pressure. And it really helps with, with roll control. The, the uh, front sway bar on a 200 is about as big around as a 12 can uh, a 12 ounce Budweiser can it's wow, it's so it's huge, huge yeah. um, but also that pressure fights against you when you're working on the vehicle mm-hmm. and so uh, if you ever undo that from the lower control arm it's it's very difficult to get it back in place but the 200 24 uh, 7 guys I've watched them do one of their field replacements and they did it exactly opposite of me they would take the two bolts loose from the lower control arm, which hold the knuckle to the ball joint, and then mm-hmm. just take the tie rod in loose, and you can pick just it up let and it fall it out. Up. Yeah, on the uh, uh, it, it pulls it out, and then it will pull out of the knuckle. So it's I used that method for the first time up there this week, and uh, it was awesome. I the second time I did it, you know, I was done in forty five minutes. Um, so real wow. simple, but uh, but yeah, I got I got that from those guys. And nice. Uh, hopefully, I won't have to do it again for a while. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, are you going to run? Are you going to run the auto or um, advanced auto or uh, whatever well, brand? So, I didn't slow down. Okay. <laughs> oh no! So this is the second part of the story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the next day, Friday, you know, I still had two days of trail runs, uh, okay. even after being down Thursday. So. Uh, it, I, I decided to tackle even tougher trails with the guys. We we ran some black trails. The trails at Wind Rock are color coded. You've got green, which is easy. Uh, which sometimes that can that that can go south quick. But with good wheel and tire placement, you'd probably be okay. And even something like a, uh, a Jeep Trailhawk or something Cherokee, oh, okay, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> with with proper wheel placement and then you have blues which uh it's kind of really where ifs cruisers live uh 100 series and 200 series Mm -hmm. um blues are a good challenge but not not something that you're going to normally break the truck on i mean you can because i've seen it done 
uh, been a witness. <laughs> but, uh, and then you get into the black trails, which are are going to give 80s a challenge, triple lock 80s on 35s and 37s, mm-hmm. 60s with 37s a challenge, you know, and definitely a challenge for an IFS cruiser. But that's what it's all about for me. Um, yeah. I, I like I like a challenge. So ran some blacks, uh, got into some more situations, had to go wide up, open throttle, and that uh, that axle survived. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, okay. let's see. We ran 30, which actually 30 is my favorite trail at Winrock. It's about a mile and a half. Um, okay. It took us four hours to run that uh, Saturday. Oh, wow. Now, I've been there before. I went to, at, at the Appalachian Trail Toyota Roundup last year. It took us seven and a half hours to run 30. It's a it's a fun trail, but we walked, We lost a uh, transfer case on an 80 um, or on a 60. We lost the front axle on an 80. Um, but the 200 came on through. So, wow. but yeah, you know, if, if you guys get a chance next year, GS, uh, G Smitter, sorry, uh, G Smitter <laughs> 2022, it's a, it's a real fun event. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they feed you, uh, some good food. Uh, you get nice. to meet a lot of good people. Uh, they had some kegs, you know, we floated yeah. those Saturday night. Nice. Um, we, uh, we had a flatbed trailer that a 60 got pulled up on and we put lights on it and chairs and <laughs> rode around the camp area, waving at people. I <laughs> wish we'd have had you your own little parade. parade. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, oh, that's, so that was my week last week. Had a lot of fun up there. Um, it was awesome. Can't, can't wait to get out again. So now I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing your own events now, right? Is it, is it your own event or are you, partnering with someone that's going to be at Winrock, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, time uh, placement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, Cruisers on the Rocks. This will be the inaugural event, and it's going to be an event uh, exclusively for IFS Land Cruisers, 100 okay. and 200. Oh, man. Um, hey, just know. bring your wife's 100, uh, Jeff. Your wife's <laughs> on the kill me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, so – we we are making this event to where someone can come with a 100 series or 200 series uh, that still has their running boards. You know, okay. um, we're like going to have runs for that. Um, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend all terrain tires <laughs> yeah. just because of uh, puncture resistance. Um, sure. Not that you'd actually need the traction, but there are some rocks and things you can mm-hmm. you can get into and you might blow yeah. a tire, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a great event, October uh, 21st through the 24th, which is Thursday through Sunday. Um, okay. Oh, that's the rally. Oh, is it? it maybe is that's why I could, uh, maybe that's why those dates were available, huh? The 22nd, 23rd, and 24th is the Red Clay Rally. Well, I guess I won't be doing the rally this year. So. Well, lucky for okay. you, we there only was only solid axle Land Cruisers in the rally. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'll just say, <laughs> lucky, lucky for you and your event, uh, it was me and like one other 100 series, and okay. that was the only Land Cruisers that were IFS in the rally last year, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, it's, it's going after a different to, genre. It's it's hard to pick a time yeah. for an event that works for everyone. Uh, oh yeah this being a the first of many events uh this being the first annual event you know hopefully there'll be a chance 
next year and the year after for people that couldn't make the dates work this year to uh, to do that. And, you know, we might even have uh, we might even be a little sharper next year <laughs> after getting <laughs> this one out of the way. Uh, I mean, it, definitely it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of fun because it's yeah. going to be the first event. It's going to be, you know, you're going to get in. You're going to, whoever comes is going to meet a great group of people. Uh, I know a lot of people in the Land Cruiser community. Uh, they're great. You know, it's, it's not like, well, I don't want to. <laughs> He's trying <laughs> to pick his words carefully here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we uh, only have a handful of followers, Lee. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but they're uh, mostly Land Cruiser guys. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been, I've attended quite a few events myself and uh, I've, I've kind of looked at, you know, what, what works and what doesn't work. You know, and again, I'm not going to mention any names of any of these events, but mm-hmm. some of them you don't always feel welcome at. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's friendly, but it's still not, you know, they're not running out with open arms and yeah. sometimes it can get kind of clicky. Um, it's especially when you do have the different platforms, you know, if, yep. if you've got, if it's a Toyota event and you've got fifth gen forerunners and you've got first gen forerunners and you've got mini trucks and, and eighties and sixties and, and those daggum forties, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> it, it can be different. So w- yeah. one of the reasons that I wanted to do an IFS event, um, is for one, that's. I consider myself a 100 series guy, even though I drive a 200 now. Um, I don't consider myself a 200 guy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a 100 guy. Yeah. And we're a little different. You know, 100s and 200s are very capable machines. They're, they're super reliable, you know, no doubt, just like every Land Cruiser has always been. Um, and they're super, super capable, but they're not going to be as capable as a triple lock 80 on 37s. You know, they're not... They're not going to do what a uh, a mini truck, a built caged exo caged mini truck on forties could do. Mm-hmm. And so, when you have an event where you put all those together, you know you're on a trail with a with forties, and you're running thirty threes on a one hundred. It's just it's it's not it's not always ideal. Yeah. So I think this will give us a, a level playing field where everyone will be comfortable with the vehicles on the trail, um, and uh, and you'll you'll get to meet a lot of people in your community. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's awesome. You know, it I, keeps I, everyone on the same page. And like, like the, the one thing, like I like from my Instagram is like, I like to help people figure out how to do things, their cars or whatever. And you're going to be introducing people that might not feel comfortable going on a certain trail, but then they realize there's another stock hundred series right in front of them doing the same trail. And they're like, Oh, okay. I can do this. These guys are, are speaking my language and I'm not going to blow my rig up. Exactly. That's a, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest win for people who attend these events is, you know, you get in this little click of the same vehicles to learn and understand how it works. And you see the guy in the cruiser with a track going up this hill and he picks up a wheel and he keeps going and you go, Oh, wow. I've heard about a track or I've heard about this and you figure it out and you go up yourself. So I think that's pretty cool just to keep everyone on a level playing field. And you don't have someone, like you said, you know, locked on forties going, this is a trail we're going down. I want to run, I want to run the black and whatnot. Yeah. That, that was my idea behind it. And also I think, you know, people would be surprised that you may be on a trail with another 100 that's, that's triple locked and you're running say a, a uh, 
you know, a, a 2000 with just a, with just a track and a, uh, and a four speed transmission. And you'll find out that that triple lock truck is capable, but really not all that much capable than your own rig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, riding behind those trucks and just seeing the lines they take is really probably the most, uh, you know, the most important thing learning from that. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're going to have a good time. Uh, October at Winrock is, in my opinion, the most beautiful time of the year up there. The temperature is great, and the mountains are just on fire with color. Yeah, it's a good time. I want to try to get up and, you know, I won't be running any blacks or blues with you, Lee, but <laughs> definitely want to <laughs> check out Winrock. I mean, I've seen Jeff there uh, a couple times. So, um, But going back to your point of seeing, you know, someone on 40s and, and triple locked your buddy matthew bowling has seen you and i mean your triple locked 200 and he's followed you on similar trails so I, I definitely think that that's um confidence inspiring to see someone you know that that has a very similar rig i'm not saying that you and matthew have the same rig but seeing someone with you know maybe all they have is some all trains and some sliders do exactly the same thing as someone that just still like you mentioned running boards is able to do so um I, I really appreciate that that's a really cool it sounds like a really amazing event yeah I, th- I, th- I think it will be uh you know there's a lot also a lot of hidden history uh around oliver springs and Windrock and uh and oak ridge oak ridge is a fairly large town you know and it's it's only hmm, maybe four miles, four or five miles from, uh, from Winrock Park. And y- y'all probably know Oak Ridge, the, the secret city, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> from, uh, the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Uh, so, there's, oh, there's a, yeah. Okay. So uh, when the Manhattan Project was going on during World War II and they were working to, you know, try and figure out uh, the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. uh, one of the three biggest or, or major sites was, uh, was Oak Ridge. And, uh, at that no point, uh, there was one time when it was the third largest city. It became the third largest city in Tennessee in the 40s, but no one really knew it. That's that's how, because it was so secretive, all the workers. Yeah. So you've got that right there. And, and then inside the park, there's an old radar base. Um, and you can go up to that. That that will be on one of the green runs. And, the, and it was one of the, uh, it was part of the, strategic shield basically in the and so all the ruins of that are there uh, that you can check out there's a there's a cool train um that is north of the park right outside the park so you take you take trails to get there um Mm -hmm. but there's just a there's an old locomotive that uh, blew its engine basically, and they left it there. It's in the woods. That's, uh, nice. that's cool. So yeah, is oh, that the one that connects to the the Nemo Tunnel? Yeah, a lot of people do run the Nemo Tunnel when they do that. Is that that's right? Part of where you can like people like walk in the cars, and there's like yeah. a bunch of cars you can walk down. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that's. I want to take my kids there. They'd love that. Yeah, and it's it's not. Uh, it, it really is in good shape. You know, there's not a lot of graffiti on it, which is wild to me because it seems like there's graffiti everywhere in East Tennessee, but uh, I don't know what's going on with that, but you know, it's uh, they haven't robbed parts of it. So it's, it's all there. Yeah. 
That's cool. That'd be really cool to see. Definitely. Um, Yeah. There's Carryville Flats up north, which would be another green run or definitely hit some blacks on the way. But, uh, you know, that's, 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 that is a, a plane at the top of the park um, that looks out. You can, you can see the interstate, interstate 75 below. And usually there's elk grazing up there too. It's, it's just a whole different world. Um, that's, that's right there with everything else, uh, the mountains and the ruggedness. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite, you know, I love national forests, different national forests, national parks, but, um, Windrock is like a privately owned national forest, really. Yeah. Once you get in there, you'd it never really know is. it was publicly owned. Um, they do such a great job with it. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. And again, for all, for all builds and skill levels. Yeah. It was fun. I, I went there in March. And it was pouring rain and it was so much fun. I mean, it was a little tricky because it was so muddy, but there were so many trails and there's so many places to go. It's, you know, it's two hours from me. So it's pretty cool. I definitely want to head back there and check it out more and just explore around. Cause it's looks like so much fun to just go out and cruise and, and definitely next time, maybe when it's not raining, because the mud yeah. was pretty bad. Now, now that you mention it, G Smitter this last week was bone dry. That's the first time I've ever been up there when it was dry, dry, okay. dry. Uh, that was that was a different ball game. Usually, it's wet. I, I went in March. Might have been the same time you were there, and I didn't even know. Yeah, I shot you a message when I was driving down. I was yeah. like, I think I just saw you. Yeah, that's um, right. I remember that now. Yeah, that was in my eighty, the gray eighty. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, uh, tape 80. it poured that that weekend or week uh i got stuck out on trail 30 which is the black and it started hailing and a lightning <laughs> storm and we were stuck yeah. in the bottom that was flooding and we were trying to winch out it was you know but that's good times right uh, and this is just after my buddy had blew his front diff in his 100 um yeah <laughs> so, uh, I, I did the uh what's the trail as soon as you get into the park where you turn left and you go over the bridge like before you even go to the entrance that's that's uh 22 22 so we did 22 and we got up to the top and that first big hill that goes up yeah it was so muddy i had to i had to winch in my 80 going out there yeah i didn't get enough speed and i had to get out and winch and then um after that there's like a squeeze that you have to go between some rocks right and it was so rutted out and i remember i mean there was like three spotters and i was just on my sliders and i the guys were pushing my 80 over because it was on such an angle. It started just tipping over. Yeah. Cause I fell and I couldn't get out of the rut. And I was like, this is insane. And then the Jeep, the, the, uh, Jeep, um, the truck Jeep, whatever it's called, the gladiator, there's a gladiator on 37s, you know, Rubicon and he made it through there. And then the rest of them had to turn around. So we kind of yes. split up so and it was brutal. That obstacle that you're talking about, um, so you made it through unscathed then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had yeah. to turn around there. Um, I I could not figure a way to get through it in the 200. Uh, so was... I had to turn around and go back. Uh, there's a little green that connects and will run you up above it. But it was tight. Yeah, it was tight. And um, there was it was it was definitely a tricky, tricky spot. I was coming out of the back of it. Yeah, it was it was I, I looked at it. And, I'm not like a professional or anything. I, I mean, I feel like I can wheel decent. And I looked at that and I go, there's no way in hell I'm going through that. 
And the only reason I was able to go through it was because I had a front locker and I could climb my left, my driver's side tire up on this rock and get up on this rock. If I didn't have a locker in the front, it just wouldn't be able to climb. And you were on such an angle. I mean, I don't care if I get a, I don't care if I get a scratch, but I don't want to cave in a whole panel. Right. And it was right at that point. I'm like, I don't know how I just went through that. My front diff, my front axle was just hitting rocks. It was, it was bad. I couldn't imagine trying to go through that in a 200. Just, well, you know, it got really bad then in March. Um, it got yeah. so bad that they back, they actually sent an excavator down there and that obstacle no longer exists. Oh man. Okay. So it's, wow. it's gone. We ran 22 last week and 22 is a fun trail now. It's, it's got rutted out even more last year. Um, in December or November, they graded the first half of it and it kind of sucked. I hate a graded trail, you know, um, yeah. but it's, it's washed a lot since then. So the whole trail is pretty nice. You don't have that to worry about in that bottom that you were talking about or, or coming up. Yeah. That little hill. It's gone. And uh, then after, the the trails still after you get through that squeeze, then there's another one that turns up into the left to like exit out. Yeah. And that one, cause we ended up going out the back way out of the park where you could like, you could technically like sneak in and we going up that one. I, I was five, six, five or six times just trying to get up it. Cause it was so muddy and such big holes. And the guy, in a, there was a guy in a razor that was trying to get through the trail and he could barely get up it in his razor. And he was just pinning it, just sliding all over. It was like, it was just muddy. And <laughs> I remember going, I think I grabbed, I, I had my fridge. I opened my back and I pulled my fridge out and the guys are looking at me like, what is this? They're in their <laughs> razors. And I'm like, this, this is how you roll, man. You got to have a cold it's overlanding, man. <laughs> overlanding, you know, oh, yeah. I'm, in my, I'm in my Lexus. Yeah, Alex, four fifty. You doing Lexus things? <laughs> I think we converted some uh, razor guys this week that were, you know, they stopped to watch us. Uh, the caravan come through and and do what they're doing, and they were yeah. like, "Why am I suffering in all the dust and this thing when you guys are just rolling around and doing the same thing in air conditioning?" You know. Oh yeah, that's the best part. So, and not, and you know, those razors are not cheap. Uh, you, know, you can, no. you can, some of them cost more than a, uh, than a clapped out 100 now. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But you know why there people have them is because they can finance them. Yeah. Mm. You make a paycheck of what? $399 a month. We'll get you a razor. Yeah. And, well, and you can <laughs> rent them at the park. It's amazing. Those yeah. guys make a ton of money doing that. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. But uh, I'm, I'm glad people are out, to, are able to get out and do those things. They have that, that, uh, that experience so yeah. so we've talked yeah, about east tennessee a lot sport to win oh that's a good question before i move on sorry you chopped up what happened are you gonna bring your dual sport to a uh, win oh hell yeah yeah I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring it out i'll bring it out yeah um so i picked up a 2006 crf 450x and I converted it to street legal, um, bought it from a buddy that I grew up with in, in San Diego. He moved out to Ohio and just basically never really wrote it. So it had 115 hours on it, which is like maybe 10 desert trips, you know, 
Yeah. Um, we ended up riding together since we, since we bought both bought bikes and I bought it from a couple weeks ago and been just kind of tinkering on it and going to make a new mount for the back of the 80 so I can throw it on the back, um, keep it up high and kind of stabilize it pretty good. So I can kind of do some decent trails if I need to get it, make sure it's, you know, extra high clearance up there. But yeah, I, I plan on bringing that with me just so I can cruise around and do some, you know, exploring and definitely exploring around my area. Cause there's so many trails and things around here that I could get my rig into, but it's nice to explore and see what's further than the entrance um, and kind of map things out. So yeah, I definitely plan to have a, a two vehicle kind of, you know, adventure, adventure machine. Yeah. yeah so awesome. I'm stoked. I'm stoked on that. Get back into riding, awesome. but I do like the, I do like the 80 though. Cause it's, you know, like Lee was saying, air conditioning or heater and, you know, if someone runs into you going the other way on the trail, you're safe. Whereas a bike, you know, you gotta be careful. Yeah. It's, it's sketchy out there on two wheels or, you know, four wheels where you don't have a cage around you. So yeah. it'll be light. I'll keep it light, but yeah, I'll definitely be bringing it around. That'd be cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about East Tennessee and, and our area of the United States, but I do want to hear about your travels, Lee, because I have followed you for a little while now and I've seen you being been all over the country the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm interested. Tell me a little bit about where you've been and some of your, some of your big trips across the country, bud. Well, I guess, you know, my, my biggest one was, uh, I was on the road for about seven weeks last year. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, started, uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say that, but, uh, started in South Georgia and went up, uh, my des- first destination was Colorado. Um, you know, hu- another event that's really great is hundreds in the hills. And unfortunately the last two years it's had to, it's been canceled, um, or postponed because of COVID, but, uh, uh me and a few of, uh, my good 100 series buddies, we still go, went out last year and are going out this year to kind of carry the torch. Uh, nice. so last July, when I was going out to what would have been hundreds, hundreds in the hills, I, I kind of decided to turn that into a longer trip. Um, <laughs> did you decide <laughs> on the trip or did you decide before the trip? Well, I kind of thought I might do something, <laughs> uh, but I, I wasn't real sure. I've before that trip, I'd never done any wheeling out in California. Um, okay. And, uh, uh heck I don't, I don't think I'd been to Moab, not, not as, not as a wheeler, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've been, I've been out there before drove through it, but, but couldn't get off road. So I knew I wanted to do Moab. Um, I wanted to go through and see some of the national parks in California, sure. death Valley, uh, Kings Canyon, Sequoia, Redwood, oh, nice. you know, um, Yosemite. Um, and then the Pacific Northwest has kind of always intrigued me. I've, I've never wheeled up there. So I thought maybe I'd swing through and you know what I did. So <laughs> just swing on, by. swing on through. Yeah. So, I get it. You know, I, I, first night, I think I, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not going to go through the, the trip night by night, obviously, but the very first night I camped in a national forest in Mississippi, I think it's Holly Springs national forest. And it was so hot. 
Um, back then, I was overnighting, sleeping in an Australian swag. Um, you know, for, for, if y'all don't know what that is, it's it's kind of a uh, it's a one man tent basically. It's made out of heavy canvas, um, and you have a mattress a inside tent, of the phone. Or is mattress. it one that's that? on the ground? Is it a cot tent yeah. or is it on the ground? No, it's on the ground. You can put okay. one on the cot, but that's highfalutin for me. Um, <laughs> I just keep it on I've the seen ground. Our, I've seen a rooftop tent on your 200 series now. Come well, on, yeah, now. I'm getting to that. But, <laughs> pull, pull my arm over here. I was, I was born on a so day the, uh, yesterday. <laughs> so I was I was using the swag, and, I, and I'm a big believer in the swag. Uh, it was a crash pad swag. Uh, you you have your mattress, you're bedding in it and you just roll it up and it fit right on the ladder on my rear bumper. Oh, I nice. just strap it there. So it that was, canvas it quick stays dry. All that. Yeah. Stuff good. yeah it's a, it, it goes inside of another canvas bag and uh, all that canvas is basically once you season it, uh, it's, it's waterproof and they're four season, both ends open up and you just have no CM mesh. Uh, both sides completely open up to no CM mesh. So you can be pretty much completely open or you can tailor it. You can let one side down or two sides down. So I've camped in 115 degrees all the way down to 15 degrees. And I've been comfortable uh, just configuring it differently. But the very first night on this trip was in Holly Springs. And when I rolled up, at 9.30 in the dark, trying to find a campsite in the middle of nowhere, it was still 99 degrees and 95% humidity. So I started off, I had to get completely naked uh, in this thing. and Even more naked the, than you are now? And yeah. And I, I, I can remember, I can kind of see myself like an outer body experience. Um, I was just all night just laying there glistening, you know. Uh, like I've been rubbed down with, with bacon grease or something. Uh, and, uh, but then I left there and, uh, that, that was an unforgettable night. Uh, then I went to Oklahoma and camped at Foss state park, which mm-hmm. is a huge reservoir and there's no trees around it. And it was one of those beautiful nights when I got there where it was clear and the wind wasn't blowing. So I put my own and out, mm-hmm. I put my swag out and I didn't stake anything down. And about one o'clock in the morning, a uh, I heard thunder woke me up, and I and I looked at my radar on the phone, and there was this angry red storm, oh, just no. like four miles out. So mm. I, I fought all that night trying to keep everything on the ground. I had to put my rain gear on. I had to stake the awning twice. Uh, so I learned something in that that no matter what, you know the uh, the weather looks like. If you've got something that has stakes, go ahead and put them in the game. I always do that. I always do that. That's that's no fun. But but yeah, then I went into Colorado, uh, met some guys on the front range. We we ran some trails there, uh, then went over to the Silverton Uray area. Nice. Uh, Uray, Uray, whatever it is. I, that's one of those things I haven't really ever quite figured it out. Um, we ran black bear, we ran Imogene, you know, all the, all the big name trails, uh, went over to Moab, spent a week there running trails and went into California up into the, uh, hit the national parks there. Then went up to the, uh, Pacific Northwest, ran the Olympic peninsula and, uh, then went over to glacier, which was awesome. 
That's beautiful. Ran down through Moab, spent another week there, and then ran back to Silverton and spent another few days, and then I went home. But it was a uh, it was an awesome trip. Uh, Everybody should do it. (laughs) That sounds awesome. And the you know I didn't pay for a campsite the entire time. Uh, Just did National Forest. Um, Amazing. Nice. So it was a it was it was really I learned a lot. Uh, You know, like staking the Staking the owner down, but learn a few more things. That's you know, that's one thing that's great about overlanding. Um, I don't know if, if I, I put air quotes around that, but uh, you know, uh, you he's do a, learn he's a, a lot man on, made on for radio like that, so yeah, yeah. That, and then, uh, I'll be leaving again, I guess, four weekends from now. Uh, I'm going back to Colorado for what would have been hundreds in the hills and then back to Moab for a week after that. So, you nice. know, I don't think this is going to turn into a seven week adventure. Uh, I've been told you that. See it that now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but, uh, going to have a lot of fun. Going to have, going to meet, meet some guys in uh, Moab that have Amazing. never ran it. And that's always fun. Yep. And, uh, meet a bunch of guys, uh, in Colorado that have never ran, black bear and imogene and poughkeepsie so that's that's always fun i i love to see people on black bear the first time um but uh you know it's mind-blowing out there yeah oh it's so So, pretty i bought my first set of tickets to 100 in the hills last year and was super pumped to go out there and uh and then the pandemic shut it down (laughs) my wife actually bought tickets while I was you shopping for pandemic out. groceries and toilet paper before the world <laughs> shut down. And then it got, it got <laughs> shut down. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, you know, I, I tell everybody that uh, if you registered, if you wanted to go to hundreds in the hills, come on out to Silverton, meet us out there. There's going to be several groups running um, seasoned guys. You know, I, I know my, my way around there like the back of my hand. There's a few other guys that are going to lead and they, they're the same way. So uh the unofficial hundreds in the hills. Yeah, it's uh it's a great thing. If y'all are gonna still be out there in early August, I might uh I might hit you up. I can't I can't leave town until the till July's over with, but if August is a is a possibility, you might yeah, have I'm supposed in. to be so I'm leaving August first from Silverado, head Silverado, Silverton. Silverton heading to Moab. Um and okay. I'm gonna meet a, a buddy out there. We're going to run Moab for a few days and then we're going to run back to Silverton. And, uh, cause he can't, he can't make it until August either. And he wants to run those, those, uh, places in Colorado. So, yeah. So we're, I'm, I'm going to do it twice this year. Uh, and part of it will be, yeah. Uh, like, be cool. um, in the, the first week or two of August. So Let's see how we come on out to Moab, man. Come on out to Moab. I might Moab. do that. <laughs> I might What's do that. that? Uh, have you ran Moab? No, I haven't. I haven't done anything out west yet. That was uh last year was gonna be my my first <laughs> trip out west. And um yeah, it wasn't able to happen and and with the kids and everything here, we just there was no trips happening really last summer. So uh been looking to get out there and was eyeing the first of August for a little while now as a possible time to get out there. So we'll see. It'll yeah. it'll be a uh, a last minute thing for me if it happens. I gotta I gotta get some hustling done here because I've been oh. traveling a lot lately, and so I gotta do a little work here and there. 
I'll, I'll be out there and that's set in stone. So um, yeah. if you get a chance again, I, I know my way around Moab pretty well and, uh, and Silverton too. And even the front range, if you wanted to do some things over there, like uh, Wheeler Lake or Chinaman or, uh, you know, Mount Antero or something like that, there's, there's just so much to do. Um, nothing, yeah, nothing yeah. like driving to the top of a 14 or, you know, that's yeah that's epic yeah that's amazing I my 80 would be running up there it's too high <laughs> well you gas just, just, just have to ride, drive everywhere and low you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i already do you have to do that going up his mountain in chattanooga now <laughs> <laughs> i barely make it going up the hill to my house oh. yeah you know i know steven was just out there in moab and i i tried to talk him into running some trails and i guess he ran out of time but no, you uh, talk. You try to talk me into buying sliders and then running the trails that you run. So. <laughs> yeah, now, now you know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, just what pick up some sliders that? and head out. Yeah, just go, just yeah I think I said just, 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 go, just stop drop by, by sleep on the way. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> he said stop by sleep, pick up some sliders. I was like, okay, Lee, damn. <laughs> Put them on in the parking lot. Hey, yeah, don't throw them on for you. <laughs> Yeah. But you know, you get out there, and there are just some things. And you, again, you don't need a you don't need a built Jeep Rubicon or a built eighty, or you know, you can take a one hundred out there. You can take a two hundred, one hundred stock, basically. Um, and the things you can do in Moab are just unbelievable. It'll blow your mind. You have all the traction. Yeah, yeah the I mean, they, they call it slick rock, but it's far from slick. It's it's like sandpaper and you know, you get unbelievable grip. I don't know who the first guy was that decided to try climbing up one of these uh, <laughs> inclines. Or climbing up is one thing, but then going down is is pretty wild too. You know, it's yeah. uh, you have to brace brace on the steering wheel, brace your feet, your your uh, your your belts holding you. It's just Steve did a devil staircase in Flagstaff. That's a pretty steep one going down. Broken Arrow and Devil Staircase. Yeah, yeah Broken was, Arrow was pretty good. That was a blast. I really enjoyed that. I grew up in in San Diego, Lee. I just moved out here about a year and a half, year year ago to Tennessee. Okay. So, yeah, the deserts of California are my that were my backyard for a long time. And come out here and dealing with mud and stuff is so, <laughs> so different. Yeah, so what's your take on that? Where, where's the... For, okay. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about questions coming up next. Uh, I I talk to people about the hardest wheeling, right?